If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Hi guys, welcome back to Ruin. This is Hallie Kiefer. And I'm Allison Livey. Oh, you nailed it. I did it! You got your whole <laughs> name out gorgeous. Without even struggling that much. Well, guys, it's official. Fall vibes are here. <laughs> We're in November on the other side of the... We're recording this before the election. God knows what, what you're dealing with, but we'll be there in another time. Yes. But we wanted to, after our October Spooktacular, which we all are still reeling from. Yes. We wanted to say, what's something, what's sort of like a cozy pumpkin spice latte? Yeah, I want like a big scarf and like a felt brown hat. What's that, you know, where would, what if we were like apple picking? Yeah, or like pumpkin picking. And we well, both or like, came to the exact same conclusion. We thought corn. Corn. <laughs> corn. What's more fall vibes than corn? Love corn. All and, about corn. And what's more horrific than The Children on the Corn, which is, of course, our movie for this week. I'm so excited for this We just one. had Allison watch the trailer. What are your first thoughts? I mean, the one thing that I that stuck out to me in the trailer, and of course, I remember seeing, like, ads for this, and, and or maybe not ads, but, like, because I forget when this came out, but, like, I've known about this movie yes. and, the, and the book. But the fact that it's, like, Children of the Corn, an adult nightmare. <laughs> that is a wild claim. I too. laughed. So hard at like one second of that the first time I saw it on screen. And then like, of course, I'm horrified by every single second of that trailer and the concept of like all of this. But Children of the Corn and Adult Nightmare is very funny to me. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something that they talked about for weeks in the room. Like they, they did a million yeah. different pitches. Oh my you know? God, there's like a copywriter out there just like just jotting down line after line after line after line. And this is what they settled on. <laughs> And it is an adult nightmare. I guess it's also it's also a child nightmare. They always say kids don't get out of this unscathed. That's for sure. Yeah, it seems like it's an everyone nightmare. Uh, and we always like to take a baseline scary for our movie. So, Allison, how scary do you find the concept of corn? Um, I guess as a food, only moderately. Okay, but, <laughs> but there's as, some, there's a little fear there, is what you're saying. I don't. I'll, I'll be honest, like, I don't love corn all the time. Mm-hmm. I like it in the summer when it's super yes. sweet, grilled or or steamed right off the cob. I don't love it in, like, a salad. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a big, like, year-round corn consumer. Like, when people put it in right. ramen, I'm like, that's the wrong thing to do. Yeah, I would say I, I'm a real corn girl for sure. I yeah. um, Well, you're from the Midwest. I feel like it's, like, exactly. a more corn-focused food culture. I did have a, uh, a boyfriend, this was a decade ago, who I was, tra- he was trying to pay me a compliment about my oh, body. No. Oh, no. All right, which is heavier than other women's bodies, some. And he described me as corn fed. Oh, and I was like, not what you want to hear no matter what. And I was like, that's me. I love corn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, so- I understand what he was trying to say, but he said it yeah. in the most awkward way. I'm like, yep, that explains my body. So much corn. <laughs> So corn is a food only moderately scary. Uh-huh. Corn as an agricultural existence. Uh-huh. So scary. So so if you were if I were to say Allison, we're going to a corn maze. I'd be like, no, we're not. I'm staying home. 
I've been on, I'm trying to think how many corn mazes. I mean, at least a half dozen corn mazes. They're terrifying. They're sc- I love a corn maze. I, I mean, like, they are so scary. I completely understand why this movie exists. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was young, I'm from, like, Maryland, uh, and we would go to the beach out on the eastern shore. And there's a lot of corn in Maryland, too. It's not just in the Midwest. Like, mm-hmm. the eastern shore of Maryland is all corn and tomatoes, just like New Jersey and Delaware. Delicious. Um but we would drive down these like long, empty roads that are just cornfields on both sides in the summer when we would go out to the beach. And it's just, it never wasn't scary. Yeah. It's always scary to me. Children of the Corn is, of course, based on a Stephen King story. The movie is from 1984. Um, it's based on a short story. And I do love that Stephen King is so prolific that we now know at this point that he, he probably saw corn and he's like, corn, that's something I could use. Yeah. Oh, what if someone's lost it? Oh, that's good. Yep. And that's exactly he it's first thought, but he's absolutely right. Corn yeah. is no, terrifying. He is correct in this. So I and add throw children in the mix and I'm absolutely terrified. And the worst kind of children, teenagers. Oh god. Nothing scarier than a teen. Because I'll tell you, you know, I'm scared of a you know, like orphan or the omen, like a little kid. That's like, okay, haha, we're having fun. A teen? That's genuinely scary. Well, like, teens are, like, because, like, children are scary because, like, we don't know how they think. Like, they're still, like, What are they? What are they? What even are they? They don't, like, process information the same way that we do. They're, like, a little unpredictable. They do a lot more screaming. And they're, but they're also smaller and less, you know, they don't know as much. And so, therefore, like, you can beat them in a... Foot race. In a foot race, I hope. I don't know if I could. <laughs> I thought you were suggesting, oh, well, you could beat them. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, hopefully you, you don't You could beat them in like, in, like, a game of, like, mental... Like, you could out-strategize yes, a child. absolutely. You know? Yeah. But, like, teens are in that weird place where they're in between children that are unpredictable and kind of yeah. can fly off the handle and adults who can be, like, malicious and smart. And they're just like... Like, you could make a whole horror movie... That's 90 minutes of just the sound of a skateboard behind me. And, like, that would be the scariest movie I could think of. Yeah, honestly, a chill just went up my spine just thinking about it. It's dark at night. Late at night, you just hear a skateboard immediately behind you. And, like, a 13-year-old laughing in the distance. I'd be like, I'm about to die. I mean, better a 13-year-old than an adult man, though. I'll say in L.A., there's a lot of... over 40 gentlemen <laughs> on skateboards. And yeah. that is a different level of terror. That is scary in a different way. And I'm like, do you think you're cool? That's terrifying. <laughs> He's like, I'm a development exec at Quibi. And you're like, okay. Um, so yeah, we always like to take, um, we took a baseline scary. And then I'm going to ask you, Allison, can you guess the twist? Or do you think there will be a twist? I feel like Stephen King isn't, as twist-based from what mm-hmm. I know. Like, it's just kind of, like, a very straightforward, like, there's no twist in The Shining, one of the few movies that I've seen. Like, it's just right. kind of, like, figuring out what's going on mm-hmm. is scary enough. So I'm going to guess that there's no, like, big twist-slash-reveal. Great. Love it. So let us begin. We are ruining <laughs> Children of the Corn. It's a 1984 version. <clears throat> <clears throat> we open on the sleepy town of Gatlin, Nebraska. Three years ago. And immediately the, the ground is cracked. We hear flies buzzing. The corn is all dried up. And luckily, in case we don't get that there's a drought, there's a sign at the church that says, corn drought and the Lord. <laughs> and I'm assuming it's just saying, like, why, God, why are you causing this corn yes. drought? And we meet our uh, narrator, Job. Job oh. We call him Joby, a little boy. And he is one of the only two children that are not, they, he was in church with uh, a day that he's sort of laying out the beginning of the events of the film. So is he like VO narrating? 
Yes. Voiceover, yeah. I'm sorry, voiceover narrating. Yes, thank you. In case you didn't know what that was. Yes, I, I'm sure is, not everybody's just like reading like a uh, final draft script copy and like talking <laughs> like they work in late night all the time. So voiceover uh, narrator. Yeah, we hear Job. He's very um, calm about the whole thing, even though what he's about to describe is terrifying. Okay. Um, but Joby and his dad were in church and he says, I was the only kid in church on Sunday. The other kids were out in the cornfield with Isaac. And I don't know what your upbringing was with regards to religion. There was no way my parents were going to let us go out to the cornfield when they were in church. If they were in church, we had to be in church. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm Jewish, so. So, yeah, so you guys went to church, right? I don't know anything about it. Yeah, and then played in the corn after church. Uh, Yeah, no, but that, like, tracks, like, parents, like, if they're going to, I, I assume right, they're that the bothering whole, to go. Yeah, if the whole thing of religion is, like, for the family, like, and you don't make the kids go, then what the fuck is, I guess I don't understand religion. <laughs> right, yeah. If you could please write it and explain the concept of religion to us, that would be great. <laughs> That'd be great. So, so Job is, you know, basically, is I think the reason he says it is to establish that, like, this has been going on for a while. You know, okay. like, so this isn't the first New. time the mm-hmm. kids have been out in the cornfield with Isaac. Who's Isaac? Well, we'll see him in a little bit. Um, so Job goes with his dad to Hanson's Diner, as they always do on Sunday. Everyone's got mm-hmm. their Sunday routine. Obviously. And he gets a strawberry shake. Job's, uh, Joby's younger sister, Sarah, is home with their mother, because I guess she had to come down with a fever. As a result, Joby and Sarah are the only two children who are not affiliated with what, with what is about to happen. Okay. And what is about to happen is a bunch of creepy teens enter the diner. <sighs> One of them, Malachi, is this tall, red-headed, terrifying teen. No, thank you. Perfect casting. Incredible. And he, they enter the diner, and one of them locks the door behind them. And out the window, Job turns, and we see Isaac. And Isaac is, in my mind, Isaac looks like Rachel Dratch. Like, he is clearly <laughs> a teen boy, but he has the face of a middle-aged woman. Like, a, a short haircut and, like, a big, wide-brim, like, Amish hat. Okay. And Nothing scary there. And he stares at the window and he basically like gives a nod. And all of the teens who have just entered the diner just start slitting the adults' throats, <gasps> just killing all of the adults. And, uh, you know, Joby's dad was on the phone, on the payphone, calling his mom. And he's like, oh, shit, he's immediately killed. So Job Great. has to watch his own father get killed. All the, the adults are screaming. But they're only killing adults. Exactly. Okay. So what we, what we glean from this is at some point, Isaac this child preacher has commanded all of the children in Gatland, Nebraska to rise up and kill their parents. And as a result, all of the adults are dead. And Sarah, uh, in, and you're not really sure if it's because of this fever or if Sarah always had this latent ability. It's the very uh, Stephen King thing where somebody just has powers and it's unexplained. And never, yeah, no answers. But we see Sarah, his sister, you know, sort of sick at home and she's drawing. And we realize that she has drawn this happening. So even though she didn't know it was going to happen, she has omens. Okay. And premonitions. So she has drawn the future of, of this town. She drew that there was going to be this massacre. Cut to present day. And okay. we meet Vicky, played by Linda Hamilton from oh, Terminator great. fame. Love. And Bert, played by Peter Horton. It's his birthday. They're obviously in love. They're at a hotel, motel, and they are driving across country because he has is he just graduated medical school and he is starting his first internship or residency, whatever you call it, in California. So they're taking this fun road trip through the middle of nowhere America 
with no so one else romantic. on this. It's super romantic. And so one of the elements at play is that Vicky's like, okay, so we graduated. You got a job. So why are we not engaged? Where's my ring? Yeah. And Bert's it's like, a great question. Oh, you, you're too fixated on commitment. They kind of have an argument in the car. That feels realistic. But they love each other and they are starting this new chapter of their life. Or are they? We'll see what happens. Well, they are starting a new chapter, but maybe not the one they were thinking of. Unfortunately, it's a chapter in a Stephen King novel. Hmm. And so we see them enter Nebraska. And so now this is three years after the events of that we just saw in the diner. Gatlin is now essentially just run by this creepy child cult led by Isaac. Okay. And they're not allowed to, like, play games or have crayons or draw or listen to the radio because it is commanded by Isaac. And Isaac listens to an entity referred to in the movie as he who walks behind the rose. Oh. We, okay. we don't know what it is. I don't we like don't it. We don't know where Isaac heard about him. We guess we know it's a he. Yeah. But we don't know. So It's always a he. When are yeah. women going to have a cult? Where is our female core demon movie? <laughs> yes, queen. Like that's just like what we want. Like go, yes, go girl, corn queen, <laughs> corn queen. So Job and Sarah are with this other boy Joseph, who's slightly older than them, but he's still like ten or whatever. And he's like, I'm gonna run away, and he has a little suitcase. And the only way to run away from town is to go through the corn. And I guess we're supposed to think like Isaac and his little and his henchmen, who are led by Malachi, mm-hmm. monitor the streets. Yeah, that makes sense. And there's, sense. like, one street. So, I mean, you can't really just take it out really of town. You can't really escape. Joseph has to run through the corn to get, which is terrifying to begin with. No. A little boy with a suitcase, like, <gasps> just corn whipping in his face. Without even being, like, in that in that world where, like, it's a child cult running a town after slaughtering all the adults. Like, even just a regular cornfield near a regular town. This is yes. scary. And so Joseph almost gets to the road, but in his panic, he has he has sort of missed the fact that somebody is following him. And it's Malachi, this, no. like, brutish, red-headed teen. I don't like Malachi him. slits Joseph's throat. <gasps> and blood sprays all over. But Joseph still kind of has, like, momentum from running. So Joseph runs out onto the road, out of the cornfield, and is immediately hit by Vicky and Bert's car. The timing. This kid is wasted. There are no cars around, and he came out the exact wrong moment. Oof. But I guess we're going to think he was already dead. Like, he would have died anyways. Right. They were. It wasn't them. Like, I don't yeah. blame them in this scenario. No, no, This is either hand. That's just bad point. timing on their part. This is, yeah. Well, I will say they were looking at a map when this happened. And they're looking, and they're like, oh, we keep seeing signs for Gatlin. And she's like, I don't see Gatlin on my map. It's not on there. And I don't know how maps work, but it's not like it's <laughs> like, when did like, Isaac know. call, like, the state map bureau and be like, take us off. We don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Right, it would still be on the map. Right, and in and, and the original short story, this is my memory of it anyways, Gatlin was never on the map. So, like, the town okay. was never on public record, which makes more sense than three years ago, everyone, all adults of this town were murdered and nobody came by to follow up whatsoever. Yeah, they left all the signs up. Like, it's a fine place to go. Right, wouldn't you take the signs down? And also, Something. so one of those people had to travel for work. One of those people would be like, hey, we haven't seen Harry in a couple weeks. Yeah, oh, should we go check out his house? Exactly. And in one of Sarah's premonition drawings, you realize that they have crucified somebody. And it is a police officer, which then suggests that at least one police officer, as you find out in the movie, has been by. 
And I was like, did, did all the other police officers were like, I don't know where that guy gets. Yeah, he never be. came back, but like, who cares? Like I'm, that all the paperwork I'm gonna have to fill out when somebody right. gets crucified on a cord and stock. I I, I he's just gone. Okay, yeah. we're not gonna get into Nothing it. Nothing happened. We're never gonna look into it. Right. So there are certain elements that like w- would make more sense if this was like the 1600s. Like, okay, maybe. But it is the early 80s. Somebody would have come to check on somebody. Yeah, you right. know. This is modern enough that that part doesn't work for me. But okay. Right. Yeah. Telephones. And you also see them like they destroy like TVs, radios. They get rid of all these like ungodly technology. They so cut bizarre. all the phone lines. So they are disconnected from, you know, like, society. Outside society. Yeah. Um, so, of course, Vicky and Bert are like, oh, shit, we killed this kid. Oh. And they run over, and Bert's like, oh, no, thank God, we didn't kill him. His throat was already cut, so somebody just murdered him. Yeah, nothing Vicky, to worry about there at all. Let's keep Vicky, driving. And Vicky's like, wait a minute, are they still here? And they're like, well, he probably, he he was just killed. Like, it's not been four minutes since this kid got killed. So they're like, what should we do? And they don't have a phone. Obviously, it's the 80s. And so, like, I guess we'll drive to Gatlin. So they pick, they bundle up poor Joseph's little body. Aww. And put him in the trunk. And as they're doing it, uh, Bert notices uh, Joseph's suitcase is in the corn. So he goes to pick it up to be like, oh, maybe the kid is like, his name's in it or any kind of identifying information. We see Malachi step out of the corn and Mm-mm. approach the car. Mm-mm. And Vicky, I think it's maybe she has a concussion from the crash because Vicky closes her eyes and dozes off. And I'm like, bitch, you just killed a kid. Or thought you killed a kid. Were you napping in the car? What? How? That's like the most jacked up you would possibly be. Like, you'd be so running on adrenaline at that point. Right. So I'm like, okay, she hit her head. I'd be like, I have a concussion. That's the only way to explain it. That's the only way to explain it. But then, like, also, if she went to sleep, she would die. Exactly. So, So, you know. But she gets up and she gets out of the car and she doesn't see Bert anymore. And she kind of wanders over to Joseph's body. And she starts to say, I'm so sorry. And he leaps up from under the blanket. And grabs her. Joseph. And then she wakes up. It was a dream. She was napping in the car after, again, they just ran over a child's body. (laughs) I'm like, you are already, they make a lot of decisions we'll discuss at the end where it's like, you are setting yourselves up for failure. Yeah, this is, yeah. So they get back in the car and they're like, okay, I guess we'll just keep driving towards Gatlin. And hypothetically, we'll find a hospital, a phone, anybody else. Literally anything. Yeah, Yeah. because Joseph is dead. They, They, there's no idea that they could save him. Meanwhile, Sarah and Job go back to this, like, abandoned house they play in, and you're not allowed to play games. You're not allowed to, like, dress up or do anything fun. So they're sort of getting all that out. Like, they're playing Monopoly, and they're listening to, you know, Twisted Shout or whatever. (laughs) You know, doing all these normal kid things that Isaac has banned them from doing. And they're also doing the number one thing you can't do, which is they're talking shit about Isaac. About like, oh, oh man, okay. that guy sucks. And then suddenly a knife stabs through their, is thrown down to their Monopoly game. And they go, <gasps> and it's Malachi. Of and course. Malachi is, I guess we're supposed to think like, he's just a pathological, like he was somebody born to become the henchman of an insane cult Yeah, leader. so is he just kind of like everywhere kind of enforcing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he is the general in Isaac's army of yes. like 12 people or whatever. Okay. Like he is brutal and scary and... Very well done, because again, this kid's probably like 16 or whatever. And so uh, Malachi takes Job and Sarah to Isaac to be punished because they're doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And Isaac's like, I'm not going to punish you because Sarah has this second sight. So she's tell she draws things and then Isaac interprets them. And she gives him a draw, or he gets a drawing of two people arriving into town. So she has anticipated Vicky and Bert's arrival. 
Okay. And so Isaac's like, I'm not going to punish them. She's special. But they had a game in music. They're forbidden. Question me not, Malachi. I act according to his will. And that's the first time we have, like, oh, there's, like, a tension between Malachi and Isaac. Okay. Like, Malachi is sort of sick of being his, like, goon or whatever. Yes. And so we sort of have this frisian, you know. Meanwhile, Vicky and Bert stop at a gas station run by the old man. I think his name is Deal, but they only refer to him as an old man. And what you find out is that, like, the old man runs this gas station, and he knows about the cult. Like, he's the only adult. What? Yeah, and his job is to stay there at the gas station and be like, there's no gas here. Gatlin is like, they don't have anything. Just turn around and to go just, to— just, like, keep people out. Yeah. And I do want, like, if you're an old man in a horror movie who works at a gas station and your job is to warn people, I want you to imagine a better life for yourself. I, you deserve more. You're you an adult. You deserve more. You're, you're an, an adult. adult man. You could be out—also, like, just leave. You have skills. You right. I, do you have you can fam- run a small business. You could have a family or a spouse or friends. Like you, just because you own a gas station and a child cult moves in, in the next town doesn't mean you yeah. have to stay there you and don't work have to for stay them. There. Like open your heart and mind up. Like read a self-help book and get out of there. Also, just like from a safety perspective, like how could you trust them? Like all what are you doing? <laughs> And boy, let me tell you, he's wrong to trust them. Of course. So Why? Bert, of course he is. Yeah. So Bert and Vicky drive up. Bert's like, do you have a phone? Do you have anything? Like, this thing happened on. He's like, no, leave. And he points him to this other town called Hemingford that's 19 miles away. And I believe Hemingford is featured in The Stand um, as one of the towns where somebody comes from. Mm. So it's sort of like his larger, you know, yeah. geography of Stephen King's yes. uh, fiction. And so they say, okay, so basically they are like, okay, so you don't have, he's like, also, he also says, I, we don't have gas. And it's like, man, what, what is there for you? What are you getting out of this? Nothing. You know? And so uh, so they drive on and they try to drive to Hemingford home and the road keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller until oh. they're literally driving in a dirt road through the cornfield. Are there other like structure, like is like the town, like are there like houses and businesses that the, ch- yes. like, yeah, and they will eventually get them get there, but it's like a essentially like a block of like there's like the school, the diner, yeah, yeah, yeah. The it's church. a little tiny like corn town in the middle, yeah, yeah. So like maybe like two blocks, and that's it. The rest are like farmhouses that are really far spaced out. So at this point, they see a sign that's like Gatlin five miles, Hemingford home nineteen miles. They turn toward Hemingford home. The next sign they say, see says Gatlin four miles. So no matter where they're driving, it says you're getting closer and closer to Gatlin. So I think that's where we're supposed to think, like, there's a supernatural force compelling them toward them. You can't escape it. Yeah. Lol. And then at a certain point, there it's not a road. It's a dirt road through the middle of a cornfield, and they're speeding, and they're like, oh, where are we? What are we doing? And it's genuinely very scary. <laughs> like, that's a situation I could imagine myself in. Oh, yeah. That's terrifying. Even though, like, the, the child cult and the supernatural, like, we can't escape this town parts aren't real. But, like... The act of, like, driving and being scared and nothing being around, like, that's real. Right. So, like, that's scary. Yeah, and I can imagine myself being, like, getting turned around to the point where I'm just driving through a cornfield thinking it's a road and yes. panicking. That feels like me. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, while they're doing that, the old man hears somebody approach, and he is attacked and killed by Malachi and the other goons. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be absolutely honest. I don't know why they killed him because they didn't. He didn't tell them any information. He told them to leave. Right. 
So the old man eat, and I guess maybe that's supposed to like, even if you do your best as a creepy old man gas station attendant, you're fated to die. You know there's evil, then guess what? It's going to be visited back upon you. He reminded me of the uh, gas station attendant in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was going to say, this has a very Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibe to it, just because it's like, Middle of the middle of the country, no yeah. one around, old places with old people. <laughs> but at least that guy owned, like, a, he had a barbecue stand. Yeah, he had a whole life. I mean, he also had, like, a whole other life going a for whole, himself. He, he, obviously, exactly. He had a lot going on. This he guy, aspired to more, you know? Yeah. And this guy really should have looked for other things in his life. Yeah, so I guess Malachi, I, I, I think maybe we're to think he's just so brutal that, like, he's, like, the fact you even talk to these outlanders, as they call them, is a betrayal, you know. Mm-hmm. Right, And okay. so they, they eventually, they get out of the cornfield and it says Gatlin, whatever, X number of miles. We're like, well, I guess we're going to Gatlin because we can't figure out how to get out of here. Yeah, literally there's no other option. They drive through the center of Gatlin and as they're, as they're arriving, we see Isaac and all the children are out in the cornfield and Isaac is preaching and he's like, there are two outsiders arriving in town Two non-believers, Sarah saw it in her premonitions, and we have to destroy them just like we destroyed all the other non-believers, you know, just kind of like holding courts. And, um, and he's like, just like we killed the blue man, and he points, and it's a cor- the corpse of the cop, who, which has been crucified right. on corn stalks. Right. It's like, we have to kill them. And again, I was like, I just feel like somebody would have come to check out that cop. It, like, I, most of them have I partners. Yeah. Um, so Vicky and Bert are finally arriving, Gatlin, Allison, there's nothing. It's just yeah. empty, abandoned buildings Ugh. with dry stacks of corn just thrown around. Are they just eating corn? Yeah, they, again, they don't really get into a lot of specifics. About but they how are, the town, yeah, how it yeah. works. But. We know that they're able to create what they refer to as gasohol from um, <laughs> corn. Like, they're able to make, like, a Energy, fuel. yeah. Yeah. So I guess they use it for electricity. But then, like, you see the diner and stuff, and it's like, it's all broken up and dirty and full of rats. It's like, well, just because you had to kill the adults doesn't mean you couldn't have cleaned up around here. Right. It's like somebody's got to be running everyone's life. And right. not just what Isaac and eat? his cult. But, like, what are you eating? How are you bathing? Exactly. Like, what's happened? Like, I guess we're to think they're only eating corn because we don't see, you'd think, like, oh, chickens or rabbits or, or you, you're raising cows or something. something. Just corn. It's corn. See, this is my All nightmare. the way down. <laughs> and and I understand. It's like seeing it's like, I wish I could convey to you how scary it is that they just open the diner door and the diner is filled with just dried corn. Ugh, and it just so wouldn't gross. seem scary. But you see it, you're like, oh, guys, you got to get out of there. Get out of there. And so they go in, they try to use the, um, the payphone. That's when we see that the telephone line has been cut. And at one point, Vicky says, what's with all this corn? A great question, Vicky. That's a very good question. And one I never hope to have to ask in my own life. <laughs> yeah. And so they are like, well, I guess I guess we'll just keep on driving. And as they go outside, three teenage, three of the kids are in their car sort of like ransacking it. And they ran, okay. run away. And Bert and Vicky get in their car and they're driving after them. And Vicky's like, what are we going to do if we catch them? And Bert says, well, we'll ask them uh, for help or whatever. And it's like, you just saw three kids in an abandoned town loot your car. Why would you ask? They don't They need they, help. They're not helpful. They don't they're have harmful. access to the help you need. No. So they're driving, and finally they have this conversation, and it's like, we just got to— Vicky, Vicky's the one who's like, we just got to get out of here. We'll drive to that Hummingford home. 
We'll just figure it out. We'll just go. I'm sure they have a, a whatever. So as they're driving out of town, Bert sees the front door of a, a, a home slam. So Bert stops the car and says, I'm going to go see if somebody's in that house. No. Vic, Vicky's like, what? You just said what? we're leaving. Let's get the fuck out get of here. Get the fuck out of there. So Bert goes up to the door and Allison, he knocks on it mm. and it's open. Of what course. does he do? Walk right inside. He walks into the goddamn house. I can't, like, I couldn't imagine doing that in a scenario where nothing was wrong and everything felt safe. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, if I was like, oh, you know what? I actually really need to use the bathroom somewhere and I've been driving through this kind of town and it looks very lovely and I knocked on the door of a perfectly nice-seeming house because I saw right. that somebody had gone in and the door opened, I would not go inside that house. Yeah, if I went to that house, I'd be like, okay, I just have to assume if I use the toilet, a knife will shoot out of it and kill me. Yes, yeah, that's what I just have to go into that. Yeah. So he goes inside. It's frozen in time. We know, obviously, nothing has changed since three years ago. Right. And also, the phone line has also been cut. Of course. So they're looking around, and Vicky's like, okay, it's time to leave. We got to get the hell out of here. Yeah, why are we here? And Bert hears the sound upstairs. So, Allison, what does he do? Go right upstairs. He goes up the stairs, Bert. Why? Don't go to a second floor. Bert's very smart. He went to medical school. There's different kinds of intelligences. There are. Bert does not have that, like, deep corn wisdom that yes. you need to survive this kind of situation. Yes. And so he goes up the stairs, and they find Sarah, who's drawing her pictures. Okay. But she's six or seven. She doesn't yeah. have any information to them that's helpful, you know? And they go, and they, they see her. And they're like, oh, sorry, we didn't mean to scare you. Like, um, are your parents around? And she says... Oh, everyone's parents are in the cornfield. Isaac put them there. Mm. Now, Allison, I got to ask you, at this point in the movie, what would you do? What would you do? I would say thank you so much and book it down the stairs, get the fuck in my car, and drive as fast as humanly possible to anywhere that isn't there. Right. Even if that means turning around and going back the way you came. Exactly. Well, they don't do that. Of course not. They decide, okay, Vicky, you're going to stay here with Sarah, and Bert's just going to aimlessly wander through the town trying to find somebody. And he leaves the car there. He gives her the car keys. And he's like, I'll be back in 20 minutes. No. So he is nope. wandering through. Again, we were just there. We just saw there was nothing. Right. And as he wanders through, he sees, like, all this horrible, like, a, a picture of Jesus has been defaced to be like a corn Jesus. No. Or his teeth are corn curdles. I don't need corn Jesus in my life. And there's like, in the police station, they've scrawled this message that says, no false gods. And there's like, scarecrows made out of cops' clothes. Like, it's all, like, there's nothing there that'd be like, yeah, this seems mm -hmm. okay. This seems like I'm going to find a working no. phone, you know? No. Meanwhile, uh, you know, Vicky's drawing with Sarah and she's like, oh, you draw me a picture. And Sarah draws a picture and she's like, what the hell is this? And we don't see it right away. And just then we hear somebody come into the house. She assumes it's Bert. So she goes downstairs. It's Malachi and a, a, a must be 12 teen goons, no. all who have like sides and like curved oh, God. reaping tools, I guess. Those are so terrifying. And Vicky says, who are you? What do you want? We want to give you peace. So, needless to say, they haul her ass out into the cornfield. Oh. So they leave Sarah, because Sarah, again, because she has a power, is kind of, like, untouchable. She's working. Yeah, she's got to work. <laughs> like, she's got her whole she's set got, up there. She's like, guys, my inbox is so full of scary things to draw for you. 
Um, so finally, by the time Bert, Bert's at least some point, once he sees that no false god thing, I'm just like, oh shit. Uh, there's probably like a hillbilly cult killing my my girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, so he probably. runs back, and not only is Vicky gone, but the cult has torn up his car and filled the engine with corn. Corn. The corn obsession. This car is 80% corn at this point, you know? Oh, my God. So then we come back to Isaac, and we see they've taken Vicky out there. They've strapped her to a corn crucifix, like you do. Oh, good. Yep. But Isaac is pissed in Malachi. But she's still alive. She's still alive. Distraught, gagged, but still alive. And But Isaac is really mad at Malachi for killing Joseph without, like, asking him, basically, and and without creating it as an offering to he who walks behind the road. Rose, and killing the old man at the gas station. He's like, he right. was useful to us. Why would you just kill that guy? Right. And if anything, Mal- it's because Malachi is even more of a zealot than Isaac is. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I had to do that because he talked to the non-believers or whatever his rationale right. was. And so we have this like intense fight. And Malachi's like, I also think we should sacrifice Job and Sarah because they helped Joseph escape. And Isaac's like, bitch, did I ask you? Yeah. He's like, I'm the one who talks to him. Like, what are you doing? It feels very uh, analogous to the way that religion can work in ter- like in terms of like people who are like zealot followers of Catholicism or whatever being like, we hate gay people. And it's like, exactly. even the Pope was just like, no, I mean, a gay, like gay people are also people. Like, I think that's something that the church is trying to do. I don't know. Right, that's you like know, I saw that today. Events. Yeah, that, that he was like, oh, there should be same-sex unions. God bless him. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's a great idea. I think, yeah, if Isaac came out, or Malachi was like, I think there should be same-sex unions, I'm pretty sure they would be immediately corn crucified yeah. in, this, in this scenario. Yes, yes, um, in, this, in this world with this cult. So uh, so they have Vicky up on this crucifix. They're screaming, of course, kill, kill, like you do. And yeah, so Bert's trying like to do. find her. And Bert wanders into the church, and we see this ceremony where this kid, Amos, he has he's about to turn 19. And when you turn 19, you have to walk into the, the corn and die, basically. <laughs> it's like being a woman in Hollywood. <laughs> exactly. As soon as you turn 19. As soon as you turn 36. Yeah, you're useless. Carving a pentagram into his chest, and then the pastor, this this girl Sarah, pour, has, pours the blood from his chest into a corn chalice, and then they're all going to drink out of it. Ugh. You know, like the blood of Christ or whatever. Yeah, but like actual human blood, but also corn. Yeah, and so Bert, Bert, who just wandered in to be like, "Is anyone in church could help me?" Is like, "Stop this insanity! What are you kids doing?" Which is not compelling when you're in a corn cult. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to just suddenly convince these kids, like, oh, my God, you're right. This is insane. Right. We're going to drink this guy's blood. That's nuts. Oh, thank you for stepping in and stopping this. And Amos is like, no, 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 this is how it works. Like, I just turned 19, so I now I, I walk into the corn, and he who walks behind the rose is going to take me, and I go to, I don't know where, heaven or something. And I'm excited about it. And so Ooh. now all the kids, they, somebody runs to get Malachi, and now all the kids in the town are like, we found the other one we have to take him into the cornfield and kill him too. So Bert is just running through this town, like terrified. He ends up getting stabbed at a certain point. He's gushing blood. But Bert has two things going for him. One, he has comfortable running shoes. Oh, good for him. And a lot of these kids have like church shoes or whatever. And then two, he's an adult man. Yeah. So he's, he's got speed that these kids just can't come up with. So Bert's running and he finally runs into Job. And Job is, tells him, I'm going to help you. So Job takes him, and they meet up with Sarah and sort of give him a little backstory about, like, oh, yeah, our parents were killed. Isaac's the one in charge. Malachi is his, his goon or whatever. And Bert's like, boy, I just wish I knew where they would took my wife. And they're like, oh, bitch, she's in the cornfield. Just yeah, go where, to the cornfield. where else is there? 
And so Bert has them hide in a barn, and he goes out into the cornfield to find her. And uh, in the meantime, sort of the feud between Isaac and Malachi is sort of fomenting. And it gets to the point where Malachi says uh, to Isaac, you know, I think actually we should put you up on a cross. And Isaac's like, can you believe this guy's talking to me? And then he turns and all the kids are like, yeah, Malachi's in charge of the cult now. Oh, no. So they take Vicky down and they put Isaac up on the crucifix. Because it's like a real one-at-a-time situation. <laughs> I guess I'm like, we already know you have multiple cr- uh, quarter crosses. Yeah. But... Right. So Malachi's essentially pulled off a coup. He is now the head of the cult and Isaac is strapped to the corn. Malachi, he will not forgive you. None of you will be forgiven. All of you shall feel his wrath. And Malachi tells Vicky, you know, well, night's coming and night is his time. So apparently when nightfall happens, he who walks behind the row is is going to show up and he's going to show him that nighttime is the right time, I guess. Oh, no. Night corn? No. Finally, Bert makes his way to the cornfield and and Bert tells Job and Sarah, hey, if I don't make it out, I want you to go to the road and just start walking because you kids, you're good kids and you don't want to be associated with this anymore. Right. So Allison, this is the point of the movie I have to ask you, who's going to survive? survive. I want Malachi to die because okay. he's too scary. Right. Sarah will live, the the artist, the drawing yeah. girl. I think one of the adults is going to have to die. Okay. Um, but I'm going to say, nah, I'm going to say it's Vicky and I think Bert lives. Okay, great. And then how do we feel about Isaac? Is he going to get out of this one? Get out of this pickle? I hope he does and becomes a regular child. Oh, I love it. I like that for him. Seems unlikely. But I know. <laughs> That's just what I want to happen so I could ever see this film. Which and then I will do not. you think there'll be a twist before the end of the movie? Guess the twist. I mean, the fact that you're asking makes me think there is. Mm-hmm. Well, I do ask this every episode. I, I know, but like, I guess there is one. I, there ha- I don't know. Now I'm like second guessing my original stance on Stephen King and twists, but... Maybe that we'll find out who he who walks behind the corn or whatever. We find out who or what that is. Great. Love it. Okay. But I don't have a guess, so. <laughs> By the time Bert gets to the clearing in the cornfield, it is nightfall. And I'm mm. like, this bitch has been walking in this corn for hours, apparently. How much corn is there? Too much a corn. A lot of corn. It's, it's a, a lot sea of corn. Of corn. Like, Too much it, corn. It, it makes it be like they're in, they're, it's all corn. It's yeah. corn all the way down. And so as we show up, and uh, they're like, okay, before we sacrifice Vicky and Isaac, we're going to have Amos walk into the corn because he's 19. And there's this horrible, like, shot of Amos, like, smiling and, like, dripping blood, like, I'm here, Lord, I'm ready. And Uh he walks into the corn, and the corn sort of ripples like there's something super um, gigantic underground. Oh, no. And it envelops him. And then Isaac, who's on his cross, is also screaming. And it's a situation where, so this came out in 1984, and it's like the graphics are so bad, they almost become abstract in a way that's sort of compelling again. I get that. Because when he who walks behind the rose, uh, essentially a demon or some sort of entity, something, it starts to crawl up Isaac's crucifix to kill him. It is just a bunch of pixelated yellow and black, and then it becomes red and black, and it and it takes over his Invert. body. Okay. 
I could see how that's scary, but like any attempt to like create a demon would be laughable because it's 1984. I guess I feel like they should have just done like an actual demon, like a practical effects, like the thing, because it's so, I'm like, what is it supposed to be? Like it's not smoke. It's not really a cloud. You're like spending a lot of time like deciphering what you're seeing and not enough just like being afraid of it. And so the thing envelops Isaac and uh, you think, okay, well, it's going to like skeletalize him or something. Instead, his corn crucifix explodes and then shoots up in the air like a rocket. <laughs> and let me tell <laughs> you, Isaac is, Isaac is dead. And so finally, Kurt, uh, finally, Bert has made it to the cornfield to save Vicky and he's trying to rationalize all these kids. He's like, don't do it. Just, does this sound like any kind of God you'd like to follow? Which again, it's like, Bert, this is not compelling to them. No. No, yeah, they're like, yeah, it does. This is, like, great for us. Right, this is our understanding of what God is. Like, what are you talking about? So Malachi attacks Bert, but again, Bert isn't a grown man, so he just slaps the shit out of Malachi, which is a really (laughs) fun scene. I like that. And in the scuffle, um, Vicky's able to escape, so he's like, run, Vicky! And he's able to escape from Malachi, and then everyone hears this, like, insanely evil voice scream, Malachi! (gasps) And they turn around, and Isaac is back, and he's undead. And he says in this deep, demonic voice, he wants you to. And then he reaches over to Malachi and he snaps his neck. Whoa. Okay. So I guess we're to think that he who walks behind the rose has reanimated Isaac. Isaac being right, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It's like, told you so? Yeah. But luckily, this is scary enough that all the rest of the cult kids are finally like, ah! And they all run out of the cornfield. They're like, fuck this. We, okay, this, I see this guy, Bird has a point. So they all run out. They all run to this barn. And there's, like, a windstorm sweeping up, and, like, he walks behind the rose, is going nuts or whatever. And apparently when the cop had come, the uh, the blue man, he had, read, he had had a Bible verse in his hand that was sort of, like, the key to how he was going to try to fight he who walks behind the rose. And they read the Bible verse, and it references, very famously, uh, the, the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. And they're like, well, that's okay. the vaguest statement ever. How is that going to help us? And Vicky says, oh, a lake of fire. He was going to try to burn down the cornfield. Okay. So. Interesting. Bert and Job go out and they get a hose and attach it to the gas hall, which again, I don't know what that is. I mean, alcohol, gas. gas. And they take a hose and they spray the cornfield with it and they hook up to the irrigation system. So the entire cornfield is being drenched with gas hall. Meanwhile, this pixelated cloud red thing is boiling out of the corn, which I suppose is the physical manifestation of he who walks, walks behind the behind. rose. Oh, yeah. But again, it's so vague that it's like, all right, I guess that was scarier than a demon itself. Sure. I don't know. And finally, they set fire to the corn, and the corn goes up. It explodes. It would have been yeah. fun to have like a popcorn effect. It is just like it, it, like a, a mountain of fire explodes out of this corn. Luckily, all the other kids escape. They, like, run away. Okay. And Job and Sarah are fine, and so are Vicky and Bert. And so they sort of plod back over to their car, and they get there, and Bert's like, oh, yeah, it's full of corn. I guess, I don't know what we're going to do. So there's finally mm. one last scare where Rachel, who was the pastor in the church who's had the drinking blood out of the corn cup, uh-huh. leaps out of the car to try to kill Bert. Great. And he slams the door on her head, knocks her unconscious. Perfect. And Bert's like, oh my God, like, what are we going to do now? And Vicky's like, we're going to leave. Right, yeah. What are you talking about? Set up about? shop and open a B&B? Like, no, we're getting the fuck out of here. Which is kind of a fun note to end on. She's like, we're going to walk to Hemingford home. It's 19 miles away. 
And sort of the playful ending is like, okay, he's maybe was a little bit afraid of commitment or like they weren't, she wanted to get engaged and now they're going to take these kids and be a family. And that's the end. All wow. four of them survive. I am shocked that that's how it ends. Well, I get apparently in the initial ending, Vicky was going to be killed and her eyes cut out. So this I prefer. I, I prefer yeah. uh, adopting children to uh, eye gouging any day. Absolutely. Wow. Could you tell me some fatal mistakes that you may have noticed? Fatal mistakes. I think, I mean, we've discussed, like, don't go in the house. Don't go upstairs. Like, those were obvious. But I think, like, just not getting in the car and turning around and going back the other way. Like, I get that you're, like, we have to fit, like, you're going one direction, especially when you're crossing the country. But, like, things are getting weird. Like, go back to the last civilization you found and be like, hey, What's with the uh, corn children cult going on? Why aren't there any people in that? Like, I would have gone back to the last, like, which may have been very far. I get that. Yeah, there's always the option. That's the thing, because the movie does not, I assumed that we were going to reach a point where they're like, oh, we're out of gas. Right. Like that, I would have been like, well, you're kind of shit out of luck there. But like the fact that they were just driving and like, I don't know, I guess we'll just keep going this way. Like I would turn around. Also, a fatal mistake of Malachi is to not try and take over a cult and know your place. Right. Be a henchman. He had the chutzpah and he had the violence to do it. But, you know, I guess it's a problem with every cult where it's like, at a certain point, a bunch of people are going to think, hey, I could do this. I could do this. I also hear from the entity that walks in the corn. Right. So it's that, like, kind of ego that can be a a fatal flaw for so many. Exactly. I was going to say the fatal mistake is never take a road trip. Oh, also that. You could take a road trip of up to five hours, and that is it. Yeah, that's all I can stand. I'm not like, all the people that are like, oh, I really want to drive across the country. I'm just like, what? Why? Driving across the country, it's like, I sit all day every day, and it makes me insane. And at least in my home, I can get up and go to the bathroom whenever. Yes, and I can walk around, and I can make a snack, and it can be whatever I want. Yeah, I'm not traveling. I'm also not traveling at 70 miles per hour. Yeah. Exhausted. Covered in old French fries. Yeah, like and like weary and like having to focus because it's like important for both safety and like getting where you're going. Like I, no. it's it just has zero appeal to me. I don't care what's in the middle of this country. Like I mean, I'm sure there are lots of nice places in between the two coasts, and there are many that I would like to see and many that I have seen. But I'm not driving straight through. It's a one at a time yeah. situation. Um, and then I want to do a little segment called Local Deities. And I was trying to think, Ooh. like, what in my life or your life would okay. would I form a cult around? And I was trying to think of, like, it would be, like, he who walks behind the rose at CVS. Or, oh, um, sure. You know, she who asks you if you want to use your Sephora points on a, a free gift. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, what, what, because to me, court is such a random element to yeah. be scary. So, like, what in my life do I think that I could devote my entire religious identity towards. Yeah. And I think, like, I, I, I want to say, like, a fleece blanket. A fleece blanket? A very comfortable clog. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, like, something that, like, I really am, like, I could spend my I'll whole life everything. fixating. I'll, I'll, I'll pour all of my world into I, this one thing. I will kill for a comfortable clog. Like, I will, mm. I could imagine taking over a town and destroying something for this. I, I feel that way about perfect genes. Yeah. I am exactly. always, I am all, I'm already sacrificing other parts of my life financially <laughs> right, to acquire the perfect genes. So that's an easy one-to-one for me. Like we're probably pretty close to me 
just starting a cult around denim anyway. I also like the idea of, like, watching you run through, like, a sea of denim. Like, a field of jeans. Jeans. Your field of jeans. A field of jeans. Oh, I gotta write that movie now, I guess. Um, Don't steal it. Please don't steal that idea from Allison. If if you buy them, they'll look good. (laughs) Hell (laughs) yeah. (laughs) That's my tagline. I'm Kevin Costner. Um, Yeah, I think jeans, I think... uh, uh, a, a delicious natural wine that's just perfectly, yes. like a perfect natural wine is something. We've really gotten into a natural wine too. Love a natural wine. You know, I think jeans and yeah. natural wine are the, are the two kind of directions, you know, or uh, it, the perfect foot massager. Though I think I've already found one because I own it. So. so you could really lead your own cult for a foot massager. I am already in charge of one here. So foot massaging cult. Um, so finally, we like to end every episode by turning once again to our spooky scale. A spooky scale. Which I should say I is actually an elaborate Byzantine. It's actually a scale that I own. Yes. I found it uh, in a haunted it's mansion-esque. Yes. And um, I think if I do it the wrong way, like it opens up like Hellraiser, but we haven't done it yet. So yeah. we like to turn to our spooky scale and each of us weigh in on one to ten screams. How spooky did you find Children of the Corn? Yes. I'm I'm going to say that this shockingly sounds like a six and a half to me. Okay. One, it's dated. That's always going to, We're going to get into that. We're going to have a whole segment about how you find old movies less scary, which to me is the exact opposite. Like, I, it's just like the, the like, I'm just aware that it's old and it makes me right. more aware that it's a movie. You know what I mean? Fascinating. And like, the, and the effect, as you described, like the effects don't sound as Yeah, that's terrifying. the one. Like in this specific mm-hmm. one, at least. Yeah. Um, and I also think I'll give it a six and a half because like there's not as much just murder as I thought there would be. Okay. And it's a like, you know, it's a little supernatural. Like it's kind of just like this feels like a weird made up Right. Versus if they had just realized, like, oh, there is no entity. Like yeah, they if just, they were just like, We are murderous yeah. teens, I'd be like, Well, that's, you know, an eight or a nine. But because yeah. they're like, there's this demon that lives among a cornfield that they're listening right. to and obeying, it's a little less realistic, and less realistic means less scary or spooky yeah. to me. I guess I'm going to say give it a five. I really mm-hmm. like all the corn elements. I did yeah. find that very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I guess for me, I, the thing that made it less scary, well, yeah, the graphics, uh, unfortunate. They should have just done like a practical effect demon, in my opinion. Yeah. A corn demon, like how scary could that have been, you know? Very. But also I think like adding the element of uh, Malachi and Isaac makes it a more a better movie, but I find it less scary to be like, yeah. oh God, now it's about like the... Now it's a power struggle. Exactly. The inner workings of a church. And I'm like, guys, you're <laughs> no. both wrong and you're both going to absolutely be eaten by this demon or whatever. Yes. Well, thank you so much for listening, you guys. Oh, another great film. Another classic uh, that I think for me will be helpful in other pop culture because like Children of the Corn is something that has, of course, come up in at minimum a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. So exactly. So I feel like more I know context. more now. Exactly. Yeah, it's exciting. And the more you know, the better you'll do. Yes. And that's what this podcast is about. Yeah, that's what this podcast is based on. So, you're welcome. Thank you. So, thank you for listening. And as always, please, keep it spooky. Keep it spooky. But when I say spooky, the two O's are little kernels of corn. Ah! And the K is a stalk. Okay. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. 